Coming up, where have we been? Cultivating, investigating, speculating, and building up a humdinger of an episode for you here on a Monday. We'll dive into some setting the table opportunities for training camp ahead. If there are other active football players right now that Giants fans should be keeping an eye on, and why not a little bit of trade speculation? All coming up right after the theme music. Oh, it's OGP, the One Giant Podcast, where, of course, we are your host over here, Adam Armbrecht, covering the Brooklyn Nets on the Locked On Nets podcast with my boy, Doug Norrie. There's some juicy nuggets bubbling up there this offseason over there. The season ticket generational holder, a little bit out of order, a little bit out of practice, healthy, wealthy, and wise. Mr. Andrew Mackowitz, who, by the way, fired off a beautiful solo episode uh, last week for the people as I struggled to stay alive. We were both a little bit on the mend, but sometimes you got to pick up your co-host, Adam. I I could feel your pain, and I was like, you know what? I got to give the listeners, uh, you know, what they want. There's a couple things that we were talking about from OTAs and minicamp. Wanted to get my thoughts down before it got too late, but now we are back in the saddle after a couple of of days back and forth. But we're here, ready to go, ready to rock this thing. It's somewhat uh, critical too that you popped up there because uh, I did a couple of solo episodes last week and you know what, man, comedy has good timing because some of the fans on YouTube pointed out where you said, I'm here, I'm not going anywhere. And then immediately through circumstances, as it happens, had to miss the next couple of episodes. And it really, I'll tell you what, man, some of the air out of your uh, balloon got, got a little bit sucked away there, but, but a great rebound for you though. Gotta say. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm pleased with how the episode came out on, on, on Thursday, but you know what? I'm glad to have you back, partner. It. it runs much more smoothly when you're here. I got to tell you, talking to a, a brick wall, no pun intended, it is it, it makes things difficult. It's always easier when you get to bat this stuff around. So um, obviously, we still have a, a couple of weeks to go, a few weeks to go before we can get back into the conversations around training camp and getting real sample sizes. And we're going to discuss maybe what's different from what we take away from all the OTAs, narratives, storylines, and what's still going to be a blip or a trend, right? When it comes to getting into training camp. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on here is there's two, two pieces. First, Andy, do you think, is there a player, and there's probably more than one, but one player in particular this offseason that maybe underneath a new regime and a new defensive scheme, finding himself at the back end of the depth chart on the defensive side of the ball, did not do himself any favors for securing a roster spot. Ooh, there's usually a couple of things that you can do to get yourself in trouble, like you know, start a fight, um, sure. ha- have some some off field incidents that aren't really too mm-hmm. pleasant, and then there's the other piece of it, like you probably don't want to get suspended, so you're unavailable for a few games for the Giants. You better believe it, buddy. And unfortunately uh, for Hilliard. And he is not a name that the Giants fans, or we talked about really in OTAs a lot, back end of that linebacking core. Um, he tests positive for some type of substance. We don't know what. Well, always kind of assume steroids. That's usually the way that you want to go with it. Um, what do you think that a player like that, in his circumstance, didn't wasn't a, a significant contributor over the start of his Giants career? Um, is that it? Is it over? Is it over before it begins for a player like that? Um, when Justin Hilliard ends up getting getting a suspension like this. And ultimately, if you're not there to showcase what you can do, how can you set a bar of what of what you're capable of, especially when you have so much other young players and veteran players and 
knowing that there's going to be more cuts coming up this offseason and, and new talent could be coming in the door still. Yeah, so so it depends on exactly how things go. Now, the Giants don't have to make any cuts anytime soon, Adam. Like, there will be some coming up in training camp. But right now, you kind of just stand pat and, and see what happens. Um, you know, Justin Hillier came out. He said that uh, his medication and his wife's medication got swapped, and there was a particular substance in hers that caused this whole thing, but he took sure. responsibility for it. Sounds like an honest mistake. And it, you know, I, I think he got suspended for two games. So like probably not the type of steroids that you see some of these guys get four or six games. So it must be like a, a particular substance. That's like, yeah, you shouldn't be taking it, but it's not like a metabolic steroid or whatever it is. But Adam, th- the real question is whether the giants can afford to stash him on one of those you yeah. know, unavailable, unable to perform lists with the suspension. Because it, it, if that's the case, it actually might help him make the roster because he can kind of work through everything. They know that they could stash him away on a particular spot. And if there's injuries within the first two weeks of the season, he may be able to come step in right away and, and be hungry after missing the first two games, actually. Yeah. And I, the one thing I'll say too, is if I want to go, if I want to spin it positive, just from a giant's perspective is whenever you look, we'll say the depth chart is kind of irrelevant here, but when you're talking about being inside that room where right now, the left inside linebacker is listed as Tay Crowder, Carter Coughlin listed in that group, and Justin Hilliard listed in that group. Carter Coughlin, right? If I want to give my boy a leg up to have an opportunity here, and you you know that McFadden's going to be there. Uh, you know that obviously Darren Beavers is going to be there. But maybe, you know, if, I, if I'm Carter Coughlin, right, wrong, indifferent, you, you hope everything works out for Hilliard, great. All I can think is, well, he's going to be there in training camp, and that's fine, Hilliard. But if I show that I'm capable of doing something here, all of a sudden as moving parts, as names come up in the offseason, maybe I just start getting more of the reps even in the short term because I'm the guy that could be playing a depth role in weeks one and weeks two. And if I can grab that role, and this is not just Carter Coughlin, anybody that gets put in there, right? If I can grab the reps, guess what? Football is very much, and, and Brian Dable has spoken to this, if you do it, you get the reps, right? You do it in the film room. You do it on the practice field. You get the reps. So Hilliard's certainly going to be behind the eight ball. I think missing the first two games of the season could actually end up costing him the first four weeks because you're going to have to build back up and earn your spot again if there is one there for him. Right. It's going to be tough coming off a two-game suspension for the team to immediately plug you in. But again, I believe he's allowed to do all the training camp. He's allowed to play in the preseason games. He can still like show that. it. Yeah. Right. So he, he can still show it. He can still flash and work with the team. But to your point, yeah, the two games may turn into more than that because how do you trust someone straight straight out of, out of the gate when they're the back end of the roster anyway? And that's the case. So, I mean, listen, it's a footnote, but hey, it's it's news and noteworthy, and we'll see how it fleshes itself out. The other maybe news and noteworthy thing was there was an article that came out talking about things that the Giants still need to do right now. It came from Dan Benton uh, over on Giants Wire, and he was basically, he threw out a few different things. It was three trades that he needs to make. Now, one of them uh, that he mentions there is, um, is Saquon Barkley. And I'm just going to, this isn't what we're going to talk about. What I am going to talk about is the fact that, um, that ship has sailed, right? I am someone on this podcast who said the Giants should have traded Saquon Barkley. I said they should have traded him maybe two years ago. You know, there's always opportunities to trade this guy. But now under a new regime with the training camp, you see how he's being utilized. He's trying to get himself 100% fully healthy, ready to go. At the very least, we're pushing the pause button on any possibility. How the season starts is going to dictate any choice or decision that may come up around him. So this idea that you would trade Saquon Barkley now over the course of the summer it just makes zero sense because, and you said this when we had these discussions back and forth, the value is at an all-time low and it can only potentially get better or stronger for you. So that's just one to kick to the side here before we get to what I think is an interesting discussion. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I, that's what I've said the whole time is they look at Saquon as a weapon and they're utilizing him in camp the way that he's getting out in space or getting the ball to him, you know, not between the tackles. Uh, honestly, as I said all along, trading him now makes zero sense when you think about new regime wanting to do well, wanting to see what Daniel Jones does, wanting to regain some value in Saquon. If you were to trade him for a fifth or sixth round pick right now, like how is that value knowing that his top end talent can be 15, 1600 yards? You've seen it before on the field. The more likely scenario is if he gets moved, it would be after the Giants start falling in the, in the standings and you get to week five or week six before the trade deadline. He looks like his, his old self. He's starting to play at a, at a pro bowl level. That's where you would consider moving him if you don't want to give him a secondary contract. Yeah, the pre the pre draft. That's when I was a big proponent of it because you can get the immediate value for this roster. Now you have to kind of go into a bit of a holding pattern, I think. But I'm sorry, and it was Ian Wharton of Bleacher Report to put this out there. Uh, a lot of people have been dissecting the information afterwards on the back end of it when he talked about though Kenny Galladay. So the first one, this was one of the first trades that he threw up was Galladay to the Chicago Bears in exchange for a 2023 sixth round uh, sixth, sixth round pick. Excuse me. The, the Bears have a ton of cap room over the next couple of years. They obviously have a young quarterback. Um, Kenny Galladay maybe still has some value in terms of taking some of the attention away from some of the other wide receivers and adding a weapon there. The only reason why I bring this one up was the I wanted to ask this around because we talk so much about Darius Slayton and what's going to happen with him and, and where is he in the hierarchy and does he really matter? 2.5 million on the books. If you could, though, if you were sitting here right now in the offseason, would you entertain the idea of, okay, Darius Slayton has never proven it necessarily to the level that Kenny Galladay has, had a big flash in his rookie season, but he has some good size. He has some good speed. He he represents maybe a similar type of function inside of this offense. Would you ever entertain the idea of this kid's healthy? Like he's never had a problem being healthy and being on the field for you. If we could get some value and clear away money by moving Kenny Galladay now, as opposed to next off season or in the future, would you look at that as being a, a possibility, regardless of Darius Slayton, but just saying, and we still have Darius Slayton, and his 2.5 and his fifth year doesn't really matter, and it, it, it like it's all it's all relative for us going forward or not with him. Again, Kenny Galladay feels a lot like Saquon Barkley, where he was injured, you didn't really see it, you know, see him perform at the top level. You know, a lot of that goes to his injuries, but also the offensive line not giving enough time for Daniel Jones to throw the ball to Kenny yeah. Galladay. And for me, a six-round pick, I mean, it would just basically be saying that you're resetting the clock. But I think, Adam, you got to keep in mind, if you trade Kenny Galladay and then realize that Darius Slayton's in the last year of his deal, Sterling Shepard's coming off an injury, and and who knows if he's going to be re-signed, then all you're really left with is Wondell Robinson and Kadarius Toney, which is a nice two to be able to build around. However, it doesn't feel like enough. You would then go out next offseason and have to sign a, dare I say, Darius Slayton type to be able to fill that number three role or, or voice. Sure. So I think actually, depending on how you feel about Darius Slayton is whether or not you would consider moving someone like Kenny Galladay. If yeah. you think Darius Slayton could come back on a two or three year deal at $5 million a, a year, and he's a nice complimentary third wide receiver, then that gives you the luxury of moving Kenny Galladay. But long-term, if you're saying let's get some draft compensation when Darius Slayton signs somewhere else, all of a sudden, if you trade Kenny Galladay, you're down quite a few receivers. And then it's an area that you have to readdress again going into next offseason. Yeah, and I, and I do think that like that, that's what I mean. Like That's where I think it is interesting about, well, what's the, what's the money amount there, right? Because when you talk about Kenny Galladay right now, just going by uh, over the cap numbers, if you were to sit here and say you're going to you know trade him Let's just call it, let's call it a post June one, right? Let's, uh, you know, that's where we're kind of sitting here. Let's not worry about anything later on or what it looks like. If you did that right now, 
you you would clear 17 million and take a dead cap hit here of 3.4. This is what we, this is going all the way back to what when we talked about some of these mechanics getting past the June one and then potentially seeing a trade. That's where getting a six round pick is kind of like, yeah, whatever, six round pick, fine. The interesting thing I think about that is you clear out the money that you need to, to potentially go into the season with. And when you talk about having a low dead cap number, which is important to Joe Shane, but then if you're going to have 12, 13 million dollars, I can make the case that, well, maybe there'll be some wide receivers names out there this offseason that you'd like to go pursue and bring into this room that could have a bigger long-term viability for this roster, can certainly be a higher-end talent than a Darius Slayton, and maybe that's how you adjust it, because I think you're right. Like The one-to-one is saying, well, we'll trade Kenny Galladay now and get this money off the books, but we don't know about Shepard, and then what if it turns out that Darius Slayton also gets cut because he's a bust, you know, bust by those terms, fifth-round draft pick. Um, now all of a sudden this room is bare and you still want to go into the season with, with enough talent there, but that much money freed up can certainly offer an opportunity to go out to the market and pursue some players that are going to get released, whether it's cap restrictions or just because as we've always said, sometimes talent falls to the free agent market in training camp because some teams are actually too deep, right? Giants fans. We don't know about that. We don't know about being too deep at positions, but that can happen around the league and the money plus the depth and whether you drafted successfully, all of a sudden a 27 to you know 29 year old player goes by the wayside because it makes financial sense and the Giants may be able to pounce there yeah I mean listen the Giants still have 6.9 million dollars of available cap space now even after they've signed all, all their free agents they have enough to be able to do the things they need to do in season so I don't but see they the- need that but they need that they need that 10 million but they, they still need to have you need to have about 10 million dollars going into the season to, you know, to be able to create all the flexibility that you want to have. At least, at least that's what they always say. You want to have around 10 million plus going into the year for injuries, moves you're going to want to make, et cetera. And again, I, to, I get your point in the sense of they're, they're not pressured to do anything here. It's but, not like James Bradbury where he had to come off the right. books because his number was so egregious and the Giants were that desperate for cap room. Like, yeah, right. do the Giants need to finagle a couple million here or there over the course of the season? Sure, and I think we'll see that play itself out. To me, giving up Kenny Galladay when, listen, if he doesn't show up, then you cut him at the end of the season going into next season and you wipe the deck then. Okay, okay but okay, but oh, say, well, before we get to this other piece then, because I do find that interesting, because I, I, I get what you're saying, and they're not in a terrible spot. Um, the first thing I was going to say was, now if you do move him, if you could move him for a six-round pick though, you go from having a little north of six to having $18 million in cap room. Now you can go out and get, maybe you can get a viable uh, veteran cornerback. If you feel like over the course of the off season, that's something that an area you want to improve in. Maybe you can add more depth on the defensive line, the linebacking core. Maybe you can go find another wide receiver, et cetera. Okay. But the other piece to me would be when you say, well, then, you know, if it doesn't work out, you can just clear him off the books next off season. That's great. But effectively what you're saying is, so if he isn't going to work, if he doesn't work out this season or if he doesn't have a, you know, a, a decent season at, at least, then it's the same difference of not having him, right? Like he might as well be a Sterling Shepard who's injured or a Darius Slayton who doesn't work out. Like the marriage of being reasonably consistent and productive has to be a part of this process. And by the way, if Joe Shane and Dable and Mike Kafka say Kenny Galladay healthy and on the field equals X level of production for us. And we talked about it a few weeks ago. That's it, right? We, we wanted to catch 50 balls for us in 700 yards. That's fine, right? That's more than enough for what we think we're going to want to do around him in the offense. If that's with the level that they think he can go to, great. We're fine with the money. We'll deal with it, and, and we'll see what we can do next offseason. 
But if there's a significant question mark around that in this offseason and how he looks in training camp and whether or not he really is productive, and if any of these other wide receivers look a little bit stronger than maybe we anticipate, then I think you have to consider moving him because for nothing, just for the money, because what are you going to do? Carry carry a $19, $20 million player that what? Gets you 35 catches? Like that, that 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 production level cannot be married with the expense because you can spend that money a lot of other places. The, the simple answer for me is Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay are in a very similar situation to me. I where know, I disagree, they're, yeah. Their value is very, very low right now, and I don't see how. It, but Kenny you know, Galladay's value is only. I don't think Kenny Gall, Kenny Galladay's ceiling of value is not cannot go much higher than you know. It can get better oh, than where it is right now, but it can't so improve dis- drastically. I just dis- you know. I disagree with you. I think Kenny Galladay. Let's say the Giants struggle, but he he's a red zone target. He's healthy, and he has six or seven touchdowns halfway through the season, and he shows to be a viable big bodied wide receiver. And I don't know, someone like the New England Patriots says. Hey, we're trying to make a run. We need we need a, a uh, an you know alpha what? number one yeah. guy. Let's yeah. give a fourth round pick for him. Let's give a third round pick because we're in win now mode. But the, the, so for me, I'm no, that's fair. I'm, that's fair. I'm willing to wager that Kenny Galladay outperforms a sixth round value right now over just shipping him out and not seeing what he has on the field. Because remember, he's had double digit touchdown catches in his career. Like he his his ceiling is relatively high. It's why he got paid eighteen or nineteen million dollars by the previous regime, but. That's the way I look at it is let's increase his value. And during the season, if one of those teams is one wide receiver away, he becomes that type of guy that no, I like that. And let me just give a little, I, I, um, I agree with you. You you can at least increase his value over the first six weeks leading up to the trade deadline and certainly get a better option there. I'll give one footnote before we talk about this other piece, which, um, is just that inside of that conversation, um, Wharton went on to say, Another possibility this offseason would be the Giants wanting to acquire a veteran cornerback, someone like Jonathan Jones from New England. And interestingly, now whether or not, and, and this article kind of kind of does, does dissect the idea of, eh, flip, you know, flip Kenny Galladay for a six-rounder. Use that six-rounder to go get this guy. It's a very, you know, tongue-in-cheek, off-the-cuff, not necessarily deep diving on the on the mechanics of it all, but that he could be someone coming out of New England that you could do where you jettison Kenny Galladay turn around and turn that into for the pick that you get a veteran quarterback to add into this core and then you work your way through that as well it's something that part of it I think is interesting too what are the mechanics of making moves like this afford the Giants to do in the short term something to think about interestingly enough though Andy we're talking about not having any football to watch here however I'm sure you've been plugged in the USFL did relaunch itself this offseason And while, which is always the case with non-NFL products, the quarterback play is always the thing that people are like, hey, listen, I don't know what to tell you, right? Like these guys can't make it in the NFL necessarily as backups, or maybe they're, they're very young players and they haven't been able to prove themselves yet. Either way, it's always a roller coaster. It's always a borderline disaster. However, there are some names and there are some players that have, have done well for themselves. They're about a couple of weeks away from going to their little four-team playoff run. There's going to be a championship, and that season is going to conclude, wouldn't you know it, right around the time that the NFL is kicking off their training camps. Just philosophically, do you look at something like the USFL or the Canadian Football League, whatever it may be, and say those players that are that are working out there are as viable an option as veterans getting cut by teams in training camp in the offseason NFL or as undrafted rookies and young talent? 
do you have a barometer on that of your willingness to say, hey, people can have success. There's not a great track record, but I do think these non-NFL leagues are trying to figure out a way to be a more consistent pool that can end up getting players back to the NFL. I do. I do. And the reason why is also where the Giants are in their rebuild and their progression. We're not looking for a veteran guy that's 33 years old that's on the right. street that you could sign to a veteran minimum to be a bridge stopgap right now. That's not what the Giants are, are ultimately hoping for. Maybe if the season turns out more positive, um, maybe that's where the Giants go. But right now, the Giants are looking for younger talent that they can grow and develop. And sometimes it just takes an opportunity for these guys to show flashes and show life. You know, coincidentally, two, you talked about the quarterback play, two former giant quarterbacks are actually quarterbacks in the USFL in one Clayton Thorson and one Kyle Laletta. So that goes to show you exactly where the quarterback play is. But to your point, there's a few cornerbacks. There's There's been a few linebackers, some running backs that have made some really nice runs or seem to have good vision. And some of these guys are the undrafted ones that never really got the opportunity. They're getting to play some ball. And Adam, they're going to be in shape and hungry, right? They're, they're practicing throughout all of this. And it's just game speed and game play is just different than being in the, in the workout room. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think at the very least, training camp-wise, to your point, the Giants at a certain point, you know, Super Bowl-bound teams probably aren't sitting there going, hey, maybe someone from the USFL, you know, maybe they think practice squad talent or something like that. But the Giants could reasonably take the training camp and say, hey, if you come in here and you bite off a couple of back roster guys here, guys, we're not sure if they're going to be practice squad players or we're going to outright release them. That competition, I think, is as valuable as anything that the Giants could try to find here. From that standpoint, you mentioned there's a couple of names here that I just thought, listen, if you're sitting around, you don't got anything going on, go check out a couple of these a couple of these players. And that would be, I want to make sure, the, the, the why wouldn't you know it, the New Jersey Generals, uh, they get noted as saying, and this is one that I thought was interesting, the entire offensive line, they've gone about, they're six and one, maybe even seven and one now, depending on this last game they played. Um, they're going to be in the playoffs. They're a team that has predicated themselves on a very consistent running attack style of football, unsexy, unsexy football, but they're all their offensive linemen, Calvin Ashley playing there at uh, right tackle. You also had Garrick McGinn. You also had Jake uh, Lensney, uh, Lacina, excuse me, who was playing at both center and a little bit of guard work too. Like, I'll just throw those out there as like, hey, you want some competition in the back, in that background there behind some of your other offensive linemen, some safety valve players, maybe even guys, if they're young enough, you put into the mix for practice squad and you think about the future. That to me is, is a viable option. The other one for me, though, that I really want to get to here was Channing Scribbling, cornerback who's playing for the Philadelphia Stars. He had four picks in the first four weeks, missed a game, and then came back the very next week and had a pick six. That element on the defensive side of the ball production in turnovers like that matters i think right ball hawking is is a trait that can translate now whether or not if he's quick enough or fast enough some of the game speed pieces around the nfl would you though automatically just because he plays a position the giants have a need echo yeah why not let's go grab you know grab that beautiful butterfly bring him in for a tryout like what could it possibly hurt maybe you catch a little bit of lightning in the bottle yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. That Those are the types of moves that the Giants need to make. It's an area of need. Cornerback clearly is something that we need more depth. And what's the worst that happens? Give him a little bit of, you know, a small guarantee amount of money to come into training camp and compete for a roster spot. What's the worst case that happens? It doesn't pan out great. Or maybe he's a practice squad player that's developmental. And who knows how Rodarius Williams is going to come back from injury? Who knows how Aaron Robinson is going to perform on the outside? There's still so many questions. That cornerback is a specific area where, hey, 
If a guy's showing up and showing out right now, even if it's a different league, bring him in and see what he can do against other NFL competition in training camp and give him a couple of games in the preseason to see if, if it translates from the USFL onto the NFL field. Yeah, and by the way, he's a product out of Michigan in the 2017 draft. He's 6'2". He's 27 years old, like 180 pounds, so a little bit lean. But, like, again, it, it, it's not – we're not saying, hey, oh, my God, look at this 22-year-old, right, came out of nowhere, and he's going to be a stud. But sometimes, man, opportunity gets there. And this is a guy there's, – there's another safety. We'll save him for another episode because I want to get to – you had a really interesting – um, closeout conversation here for, for coming back kind of into the week. He played for the Seattle dragons. He played for the Hamilton tiger cats. So he's up, he's up in Canada. He's down in the USFL. He's bounced around, played for the Memphis express. The one thing I'll say for any of these guys, and then you can get into this conversation around training camp and kind of what narratives do we think are going to carry over or could die off from the OTAs. Um, when I see players that keep battling, that keep wanting to play football, like that matters, right? I, I think there's a difference between guys that wait for teams to call them if they're if they haven't been in the NFL for a year and they're waiting for the, the phone to ring as opposed to I want to play I love to play I'm going to go wherever I can play like that track record is actually something that I I think you can take away and say hey wherever I can do it I want to keep doing it as opposed to guys that maybe feel like I've been overlooked or you know I haven't gotten what I've deserved and I'll wait for someone to come get me. Yeah, exactly. These guys just want to play football. They want to compete. They don't care uh, about what league it is. Obviously, they want they want to make it to the NFL. But but honestly, think about it. There's there's guys like uh, Adam Thielen, right? Think about him. He went undrafted in 2013, was not on anyone's radar, and turned into a Pro Bowl wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. He's the type of player that probably would have played in the USFL, had a couple touchdowns, and gotten an invite. Those are the types of players that you're looking for. You're hoping to hit a diamond in the rough. But even if you don't get a player like that, Someone that can complement the back end of this roster is all you're really looking for. Oh, and real quick here, because you know what? We're, we, we've had a nice little episode here for ourselves, getting our feet back underneath us. Let's save that narrative piece from OTAs to training camp for another day. I, I think you're right. But here's another little conversation before we get to, well, you know what? I'll say it. At the end of the day, when you see a player that is running off over seven games, 513 yards and just 81 attempts, 34 fewer than the number two rusher in the league. Um, that's one, uh, what is his first name right here? That's Reggie Corbin, the running back. I think that I, I thought about this too from a practice squad player, maybe. That's a guy that I would look at too and say, Giants could have some turnover there. Running backs are having some success here. And one translatable thing would be, can you read and set up your blocks correctly, right? Now, is, are you quick to get in the hole, all those kind of things? But that's another thing that I think is worth looking at. So go take a look at these USFL guys. Um, you know, Throw out some names to us. I'm going to watch over these next couple of weeks and see if I think any guys show up in the USFL where I say, you know what? They could do it at the NFL level. Or does it feel a little bit more like he hate me out of the XFL who maybe never blossomed? At the end of the day, Andy, do you have – any bold proclamations, statements, uh, affirmations that you like to lead, lead the people with here? Uh, I don't, but what I, oh. what I will say, yeah, cause I'm not as smart as you, Adam, but what, what I will <laughs> say is what, what I will say is I, I think you and I were talking offline at, at the end of the day, I think what's going to be important between mini camp and training camp is going to be some of these storylines that we've seen develop in OTAs and in mini camp about players showing up or players being injured. There's going to be a lot of these things that are going to continue. And I think, at the end of the day, let's break down a few of these storylines. And yeah. I want you to hit me with whether or not you think they're going to be continuing trends 
or you think he was just an anomaly that happened because of some type of circumstance, you know, during OTAs? Yeah, I think that our next episode, when we break into this, I think there are positives that we can get pretty bullish about carrying over. And then I think there are storylines that we haven't heard about yet. And that's not a bad thing, but I think training camp is going to set the table for us to learn a lot more about players that a lot of Giants fans have asked us about after the draft coming into the OTAs. Why aren't we hearing more about player X? And this is, they call this a tease. Why haven't we heard more about this player? Where does he stack up on the depth chart? Those are things that I think are going to come out here. So we'll do a little bit of confirmation on existing narratives and projecting on where we think the next big storyline will be for Big Blue this offseason. It's weeks away for training camp, but all these stories can get set up right here and now. Thank you, friends, for following us over on YouTube, for getting the podcast where we get those needs fulfilled. We appreciate it. Thanks for sticking with us after we had a little bit of a hiatus this week. We all need a break sometimes. We'll be back again, though, breaking down those storylines and so much more as Andy Mackowitz would want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue. Thank <laughs> you.